Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome to Unbothered. What a great weekend it was for sports. World Cup, Argentina, Messi win in what many are calling the best World Cup final of all time. Definitely the best World Cup final I've ever watched. It was truly epic with Lionel Messi, Argentina fighting to win that game. I'll react to that. Monday Night Football tonight, Rams, Packers. Can one team, two teams, you know, that we expected to be in the playoff picture, uh, lead their division? This game doesn't have that feel, that atmosphere to it anymore. However, whoever loses this game will officially be eliminated from playoff contention, so still a big game. Then I react to a lot that happened this past Sunday. It was just a great sports weekend overall. Bowl games, football, that happened on Saturday. Sunday, I mean, great, great football uh, that was on. So let's get started with tonight's Rams-Packers game. Packers are the favorite, seven-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm just going to say right out of the gate, I like it. I like the Packers to win and to cover that. The Rams have been terrible. Now, I know Baker Mayfield came in uh, – 10, 11 days ago on the Thursday night game against the Raiders. Back-to-back great drives to beat the Raiders by a point. But outside of that, their offense didn't get much going. The Rams have just been terrible on offense this year. They're 31st in offense, running the ball. They're ranked 30th, pass 25, scoring 29. So they're just about at the bottom of every category for offense. Uh, Whereas the Packers offense... Is middle of the pack. We, you know, this has been a top ten offense with Aaron Rodgers. This is just a mediocre offense. It's fifteen overall. It's twelfth in rushing. It's sixteenth in passing. Twenty third in scoring. So a very mediocre offense. Both defenses uh, we expect to be better have not been the case. And I think the Packers are going to win just because uh, one key component here is that Aaron Donald is out this game. That means Green Bay will have the ability to run and throw the football uh, with Aaron Donald being out. Uh, The two-headed monster that they have back there, two running backs I really like in uh, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, uh, who split carries. Both are great running backs. Uh, You know, when one comes out, one comes back in, just keeps the legs fresh, keeps the ball moving. I expect that to be the case tonight in what is going to be a cold uh, game. I believe temperatures call for around 20 degrees, 25% chance of snow. So it is going to be cold tonight. The Packers are going to be able to control the football by running. I believe they'll be able to throw quick passes to Christian Watson, Alan Lazard, Romeo Dobbs. Green Bay just cut uh, Sammy Watkins. So they're expecting Dobbs to be back and to have their full complement of wide receivers out on the field that they wanted. But frankly, if I think only you've seen the field, you know, 52 snaps together, if that, and that again is Christian Watson, Dobbs, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard. So Aaron Rodgers is going to have his weapons tonight. They have the running back, running the football, those two guys, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, I think will be great. And then defensively, I know the Packers aren't great, but I think they'll do enough to stop Baker Mayfield. I don't see Baker Mayfield moving the ball down on this defense. 
Uh, Jair can be on whoever, whichever wide receiver he wants. Since Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson are not playing, I expect it to be a very, very long night for Baker Mayfield. I expect the Packers to cover, uh, to be just pure domination by the Green Bay Packers in that game uh, tonight. So Packers big, like the Packers to win, Packers to cover. Aaron Jones to get me some touchdowns for fantasy. A.J. Dillon to get a lot of touches as well. Uh, everything that goes the Packers way, put the money on it. I like the Green Bay Packers in this game. Again, doesn't have the feel that we thought it was going to have when the schedule got revealed that, hey, this could be a big conference showdown with major playoff and seeding implications. Now it's just whoever loses is officially eliminated uh, from the playoffs. So, there you go. I think the Rams get officially eliminated tonight. What about the rest of Week 15? Let's start with last night's Sunday night game. There's so many places to start, but let's start with uh, last night's game between the Giants and the Commanders. Very, very interesting game here. The two teams that played two weeks ago, they tied. Uh, you know, winner here, big, big, uh, you know, swing and making the playoffs, being a game and a half ahead of the other one. Giants wound up one, winning 20-12. to 12. Uh, But to me, this game was really defi- defined by the ending because you know that, hey, both teams are going to make uh, you know, plays, both defenses are good. You know, it's definitely going to come down to the last drive like it did last time. And that's exactly what was going to happen this time. So Washington going down to score. It's a third and goal. And there's a penalty on Terry McLaurin for an illegal formation. Uh, he was not lined up on the line of scrimmage. So it's not false start. It's not offside. Uh, but with the man in motion, nobody acting as a receiver, he had to be lined up on the line of scrimmage. And the weirdest thing that happened is that Terry McLaurin looked over to the ref to make sure that he was lined up properly, told Terry McLaurin to move up a bit. So you see Terry McLaurin then move, and then he looks over to him again and says, is this good, and gives him the thumbs up. And it's on video. You can see the ref give Terry McLaurin the thumbs up. So he thinks he's good. He's not really involved in the play at all because it's a run play with Brian Robinson. So it has no effect on the play. Brian Robinson scores, gets the touchdown. But wait a minute. They throw a flag. What's the flag for? Oh, it's on Terry McLaurin for illegal formation. After the ref said that he was okay, gave him a thumbs up for being lined up properly. Now, I don't know if the NFL has rigged something against the commanders. This is just my conspiracy theory. Uh, I have a lot of them, not usually a lot in sports. I think that sports are usually pretty clean, pretty clear. But this is my conspiracy. And it's because, you know, Washington and the Dan Snyder thing and the owners and the dirt that he allegedly has on the owners and Goodell, it's that, hey, let's not have the commanders 
make the playoffs because we really want Dan Snyder to sell this team, uh, to get rid of it. And if he makes the playoffs, it's just harder to do it. So let's rig a couple things against him. And that's exactly what I felt last night. Like the NFL rigged it against the commanders, which to me is just a shame because it's not the owner playing. It is the players playing. It's the coaches on the field that has no involvement with Dan Snyder, the noise that constantly surrounds this organization and its fan base. So they dupe uh, Terry McLaurin there, uh, and Terry McLaurin can't believe it. And then the next play afterwards, it's now uh, fourth and goal, uh, and, you know, last-ditch effort there. I believe it's Jahan Dodson or Curtis Samuel on the last play of the game there. Uh, one of the two. Actually, I believe it is Curtis Samuel. And he is just absolutely draped uh, by the defensive uh, back there. I think it was Holmes and... He has made contact with him before the ball was thrown. Could have thrown a penalty there for defensive holding, which would have got them the automatic first down, a half a yardage to the goal line. And then uh, Taylor Heineke throws the ball up to him, and it's he's still draped on him. He is holding both his shoulders, not allowing the release on the football. Clearly pass interference. The commentators last night thought it was pass interference. The rules analyst, who was a former NFL referee, said it was pass interference, but it was a no call. And, you know, there's speculation that, you know, it's the last play of the game. You don't want to let the game be decided by a pass interference. And the former referee, as a rules analyst for NBC, said, no matter if it's the first play of the game, first minute of the game, last minute, halftime, that should be called no matter what for pass interference. Because it was clear and obvious. It wasn't like a ticky-tack pass interference. There was, you know, so much pass interference on that one play. So the Commanders lose that game on two drives. Now it's hard to quantify that, hey, the Commanders lost the game because Taylor Heineke, the drive before, did fumble the ball. Uh when it was 17-12, to 12, and, you know, New York did score, get the field on the ensuing possession, uh, did throw, uh, and then there was another fumble as well. So there was mistakes by the commanders, didn't play the cleanest game. But to me, what's great about football is you always, you know, when it's a one-score game, have the opportunity to drive down with a possession to go ahead and tie. And I just feel like the NFL rigged it. Against the Commanders, I felt like the Commanders, that's not a fair loss, It's especially with the stakes of the game. And it's not like that touchdown guarantees a Washington win either, uh, or the penalty, because they still have to get the touchdown more, but likely with one of those, if it's a first and goal again at the two-yard line or the one-yard line, they're more than likely going to get the touchdown. But that doesn't mean the, the game's tied at that point. Washington still has to go for a two-point conversion. Just to tie the game, anything can happen on the two-point conversion. Then it goes into overtime. So, again, you're not really giving Washington the win. It's just that, for real, the NFL referees gave Washington 
the loss here in what was badly officiated. And when it's not a primetime game, if it's a 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, maybe early in the season, you can kind of get away with some of those cheesy uh, penalties like the, you know, Terry McLaurin illegal formation and be like, oh, you know, hey, you still can win some games. But for a game like this, Sunday night, primetime, all eyes available to watch. This game, and the refs make mistakes like that, uh, there's either a problem with the referees or the problem is the NFL has rigged it against the commanders. Because now the commanders are going to miss the playoffs. I hate to say it. I'm sorry, commander fans. I really wanted you in the playoffs. I think you're a better team uh, than the Giants. You'd be a better playing spot than the Giants. But I don't see it happening. Uh, because now, guess who you play? Next up is the 49ers. 49ers have been on the territory. So going into San Francisco is a very tall order. And you lose that game, you're 7-7-1. And, and let's say the Lions or the Seahawks win. They're now the seventh spot. They then jump you because of that tie that you have at 7-7-1. Seven, seven, and one. So that hurts the Commanders. And then you're playing catch-up. And then after that, they have to play the Browns, which is no slacks. They play teams tough. And then they play the Cowboys, which, again, who knows what the Cowboys will be at that point. If they'll have clinched the five seed or if they'll really be playing for anything at that point in time, depending on what the Giants do. But that's very interesting as well, because now I I don't see the Commanders making the playoffs. It's still possible, but to me, very highly unlikely. So the Commanders, you know, just being blunt, being honest here, they got screwed. They did. They have to live with it, but that that's a tough loss to swallow. If you're a Commanders fan, and I feel for the Commanders there, uh, in what truly feels like highway robbery, uh, in Washington there. So hats off to the way the Commanders played this season, started off so poorly, really roared back second half of the season, but will probably fall short of the playoffs this year. Next game to talk about, because there's a bunch. Indianapolis and Minnesota. This is probably a game that uh, I was so upset watching um, because being a Detroit Lions fan, I still held out. Hope for winning the division, even if it was mainly optimism. But the Indianapolis Colts, can you believe this? They were up 33 to zero at halftime. 33 to zero. It was to probably it was to me one of the most perfectly executed first halves uh, for Indianapolis. Uh, they were able to have a nice kick return, get a field goal. They then blocked a punt, uh, got the touchdown. They then drove the length of the field uh, after a fumble. Made it 17-0 into the first quarter. Got a couple more field goals. Had a pick six. And in the half with a field goal, everything's going Cincinnati's way, or Indianapolis's way, is it's 33-0. to And no team has ever come back from 30 points ever in the history of the NFL. You're like, hey, this is good. It's 33-0. And then end of the third quarter, it's 36-14. And you're like, you know, there's a chance Minnesota could come back, but it's very highly unlikely. And Indianapolis has the complete fourth-quarter meltdown. It's a second-half meltdown, but to me it was really a fourth-quarter meltdown because of the way they uh, – there's two things they did. You're, you either 
play conservative, run the ball, milk the clock, or you stay aggressive. And somehow they were neither. They were neither. They ran the ball, you know, once or twice a drive, didn't chew that much clock, didn't wait to the last tick of the play clock. And then they just ran the same slant plays that were short of the six, short of the first down. So it was constant, you know, three and outs. It was a minute drive, give it back to Minnesota, ultimate choke job. And then all of a sudden, that's 36-28 with five minutes left. Minnesota gets the ball uh, back in, you know, Indianapolis and gets it. They can't run a four-minute drill at all, give it back to Minnesota. And in one play, a 64-yard pass from Kirk Cousins to Dalvin Cook. And what was a screenplay goes, and there's like five missed tackles on that play. You can basically cut the whole defense at that point. We go into overtime. Neither team does anything with it until the end of the game. And Minnesota wins 39-36. And Matt Ryan is the quarterback of two of the largest blown leads in NFL history. He's the quarterback of the largest blown lead in NFL history, regular season, postseason, whatever, the 33-0, what just happened. And then he is the quarterback of the largest blown lead in Super Bowl history, which was the infamous 25 or 28-3 game. And the Patriots came back and won that Super Bowl, engineered by Tom Brady. Uh, Matt Ryan was the quarterback. Just terrible there by Indianapolis. Just terrible. Uh, to me, that was more bad Indianapolis than great Vikings. It was all time. Uh, it was Jeff Saturday should be fired immediately. It was he should no longer be the interim head coach. Uh, and he's had one win so far. This was a man who said he knew how to leave it and be a great leader, and it's not worked out so well for him. Started off good. I'll give him that. He had the he beat the Raiders and. You know, the Raiders got beat by the ESPN analyst just Saturday. Then they had the Eagles on the ropes, and they choked that one away. And guess what? They were up 13-3 to going into the fourth quarter, choked that one away 17-16. to Then a Steelers Monday night football game. Guess what? They were up by one point going into the fourth quarter 17-16. to They wound up losing 24-17, two choke jobs in a row. And then against the Cowboys, it was 21-19 to in the third quarter. They go for the two-point conversion. They don't get it, so it's 21-19 in the fourth quarter. They wound up losing that game 54-19 to just Saturday. What are you doing? And then this one, up 33-0. to And guess what? Not only is Matt Ryan's name attached to it, but interim head coach just Saturday's name is attached to it. I'm sorry, Jeff. I'm actually get the heck away from coaching. And who knows if you even get a job as an analyst back because uh, you would get roasted royally on any network for the hack job that you did for the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, I thought Frank Reich was bad in some of the decisions he made with the Matt Ryan, Sam Ellinger debacle. But Jeff Saturday managed to one-up this by being so bad at his job that he can't do game management, uh, clock management, can't do nothing. Uh, and it's only going to get worse from here as he now plays the Chargers next Monday night. So we're going to have to be subjected to that on Monday night, the Chargers demolition of the Colts. Then they play the Giants, who they will probably lose to. 
And then the Texans, and the Texans already securing the one seed, could play just to have fun, and they probably beat the Colts doing it because the Colts are just that bad at the game of football, that terribly coached. I mean, everything that went wrong for the Colts, uh, they do everything wrong. It's just, it's a shame. Uh, Baltimore-Cleveland. Cleveland won 13-3. Not much to talk about for that one, except Justin Tucker missed two field goals in one game. First time since 2018 that that has happened. It was not Tucker's night, and they really could have used him because they probably would have won if Tucker was on and, you know, didn't have, you know, a couple of missed field goals, blocked field goals. Uh, Definitely would have made the game more competitive uh, down there in the end, but Deshaun Watson gets his first one. It's truly a sad day there. Miami-Buffalo in the snow. Fourth quarter, it comes piling in. It's 26-21 Miami going into the fourth quarter. Mike McDaniel had an excellent game plan because I thought Buffalo would win this game pretty comfortably. And I got to tell you this, Mike McDaniel is a genius. He knows how to coach. He just does. Uh, Tua didn't look fantastic in this game, but he looked good for going into these conditions. The team as well, I got to give a lot of credit to Mike McDaniel because they played great. Uh, Jalen Waddle was able to take the top off the defense for a 67-yard pass. Tyreek for a 20-yard pass. Just the speed for these wide receivers. Nobody can guard them one-on-one uh, without the safety coming up over top. So it's 29-21 in the fourth quarter. Miami gets the field goal. They're up by eight. Uh, Josh Allen then ties the game, uh, marching down the field, has a two-point conversion where he goes Superman and does it. And then a late drive at the end of the game for the game-winning field goal in the snow, 25 yards away, chip shot. But this was a really great game, and it showed to me that, hey, Miami's real. real. Yes, they lost, last week they lost by six points to the Chargers. Tua didn't look good. The week before it was the 49ers, and the game was really closer until some turnovers late in the fourth quarter. But Miami and Mike McDaniel, uh, Tua, have done an excellent job in their first year. They've turned the Dolphins into real postseason, I don't think, contenders, but real postseason contenders and the fact that that spot will probably be clinched for Miami. And, hey, they can make some noise because if they can play Buffalo this good, watch out if they have to play them again. Uh, They played Cincinnati tough earlier in the year without two of a majority of that game. I believe they could hang in there with Kansas City. This is a team I don't think a lot of people want to play, and they just dispel the notion that, hey, they can't play in cold weather and cool weather because they just went to one of the most hostile environments in the NFL and played a great game and just wound up losing to the better team and the Buffalo Bills. But it was a great game. The Bills fans should hang their head high. The Dolphins fans can hang their head high. Just an overall great, great win there for them. Now moving to Sunday. One game I want to talk about is really the New England-Las Vegas game, in which was an ending that I watched live that I can't believe uh, I've seen in my life. I was watching Cincinnati-Tampa Bay, and I'll get to that one in a few minutes, but watching that one, and basically over that point, I'll say, hey, I'll turn on the New England-Las Vegas game. That game's close. Vegas is driving uh, to tie the game. Let's see what happens when I turn it on. Las Vegas gets the touchdown uh, on a very questionable call. He definitely 
caught it with his hands, but the question is the feet. And from all angles that they showed, it didn't look like two feet uh, that the feet were down in the end zone. It looked like one of them was clearly on the white part of the out-of-bounds area. Commentators said that it didn't look definitive that, hey, he got both feet in bounds. One foot clearly looked out. If a call was ruled a touchdown, and in all the video evidence, they couldn't overturn it. Another absolute joke of NFL referees there. It cost the Patriots the game right there alone, which was, hey, that shouldn't have been a touchdown. Didn't look in any realm, any angle that, hey, that was a touchdown. He got both feet down and bounds. Every angle was like, oh, those feet aren't down and bounds. That angle, too. Somehow they give it to the Raiders, which was an absolute joke. And then the Patriots, you know, have 30 seconds to try to get a field goal, have a couple timeouts. So it's like, hey, it's not all over until three seconds left. Uh, you know, they're out of the can't kick a field goal. Hail Mary, it's like, hey, Ramondre Stevenson, it's a halfback delay to him. And he just runs up the field, and he gets a nice, like, 30 yards before a Raider even touches him. Then out of the blue, he laterals it back to Jacoby Myers, and you're thinking, Ramondre Stevenson, what the heck? Uh, why didn't you just get tackled or run out of bounds? Then Jacoby Myers, what ups Ramondre Stevenson's stupidity? And Ramondre Stevenson is a running back who I think is just fantastic. But Jacoby Myers throws the ball laterals back to Mac Jones. Now, this one's really funny because it's not like Mac Jones is this ultra athlete like Justin Fields or Mahomes or Allen where maybe something will happen. But Jacoby Myers throws it back to Pat Mac Jones, which is the first hilarious part. Jacoby Myers is not a quarterback, so the throw is not that thrown well and Chandler Jones catches it and all Chandler has to Jones is Chandler Jones has to do is run through Mac Jones and that's exactly what he does Mac Jones tries to make the tackle but he gets stiff armed to the ground he tries to hold on to the ankles but loses it and Chandler Jones returns uh, for a touchdown and a play that they did not need to do because the score was tied you go into overtime anything happens you could win this game even a tie is better for you than a loss with your playoff positioning. But New England loses that game. They give up the seventh seed. The playoffs look very bleak now for the New England Patriots. And what was the weirdest, stupidest ending to a game? And what really is one of the, most undi- um, one of the more disciplined teams under Coach Belichick. That usually rarely happens. And it happened last night, so... You know, that's usually, you know, Mac or Bill Belichick will call you in the next day. You'll get a release on your phone saying, oh, this player's been released by the New England Patriots. Jacoby Myers is one of their best wide receivers. Uh, I don't think they'll release him, but I do not think that he will get any playing time next week. If you have him in fantasy, do not start Jacoby Myers. will not end very well for you. Uh, his play was 10 times worse, 100 times worse than Ramondre Stevenson's crazy lateral backfire of the century. I don't know what the name of that play is. I'm sure it'll have a name soon, and then we can refer to that as that. But right now it is just the biggest bonehead play of all time. Philadelphia-Chicago. 
Philadelphia beat the Chicago Bears. Uh, Justin Fields was great, ran the football effectively, 95 yards. Justin Fields also had two touchdowns, threw the ball well. Jalen Hurts was just a little better overall in terms of passing, even with two interceptions. Great game. Uh, you know, looking ahead, I think, to next week, just peaking to the Cowboys. But guess what? They got the win. They're 13-1. It's all that matters to them. Uh, good job, Eagles, getting that win, basically clinching the one seed right now. Atlanta and New Orleans. This was a big divisional game for both teams to keep. The New Orleans Saints alive for the division. They get the win. They stay alive now. Theoretically, all teams are alive now in the NFC South. But New Orleans has a better shot than Atlanta because New Orleans has won over Atlanta. So they basically have the tiebreaker. Both teams 5-9, and nine, so New Orleans needs to lose a game. However, Atlanta plays both, uh, or plays the uh, Bucks still, so that's big for them. And New Orleans does not play the Bucks, and New Orleans lost to the Bucks twice, so that plays into that. NFC South can get crazy the next few weeks. Detroit and the New York Jets. My Detroit Lions. I picked the Jets on the podcast on Friday, but I did change my pick officially when making my pick them because it wasn't until after my podcast it was, it was announced that Zach Wilson was not going to play, and Keenan Williams was ruled out, and I said, I'm switching it to Detroit. I just got to. Paid off. You know, and it's good for Detroit because Detroit can win high scoring. They've shown that, you know, the past few weeks really by scoring 30-plus on the Bears, the Jags, the Vikings. They look good, but it's these dog fights. Can they win those? And they did win a slugfest against the Jets. It wasn't a great game uh, by Jared Goff, what he's been on this stretch run that he's had. Uh, but he played effectively. They moved the ball. They didn't take any killer turnovers. And it was just an efficient win by the Detroit Lions. The defense has really stepped up ever since the firing of the defensive backs coach, Aubrey Pleasant, which I thought, hey, had something to do with it, but wasn't, you know, the uh, make it, break it. They've played a lot better since then. The defense has played a lot better. They're finally rounding into form. Zach Wilson, I think, made some key plays. He had the one bad interception, but Zach Wilson... I think played one of his better games of the season. Played great. They just couldn't run the football. And I don't know what is with the Detroit Lions where earlier they you could have just could run on them. And now you can. It's strange. It's the Jets could only get, you know, twenty three yards by their leading back yesterday for a total of fifty rushing yards against the Vikings. Dalvin Cook only got fifty three rushing yards. The whole team had a total or he only had 23. Team had a total of 22. So it's strange there. Travis Etienne, 54. Uh, they had 95 rushing yards, and they just had like 190 yesterday on the Cowboys. So the Lions defense is looking good. I'm liking what I'm seeing. Detroit's now 7-7. Seven and seven. And to me, I have an inside track on a playoff spot. Yes, I know they're not in it. But to me, I look at the chances out of the three teams really left for that final spot, the Commanders, Seahawks, in Lions, Lions have the easiest schedule remaining, and they look like the best team so far out of those three teams. So this could be great. My seven and ten prediction—that's what I predicted earlier in the year. Seven and ten. Guess what? They're seven and seven. They could lose the next three. That's my prediction, and I still feel good about the season. 
Now they can definitely exceed my expectations by winning another game, making it to the playoffs, being a year earlier than I thought they'd be. Just great job by Dan Campbell and this Detroit Lions team. Pittsburgh and Carolina. If Carolina would have won this game yesterday, they would have had the NFC South. They'd be the number one team there. But they did it. Nobody wants to win this division. They lost 24-16 to Mitch Trubisky. And Mitch Trubisky's looked terrible this year, and the Carolina defense made him look serviceable. 17-22, 100 and 79 yards. And this Carolina defense, or this Carolina offense that ran the ball, could have run the ball 20 run rushing yards on 16 attempts for a 1.3 average. Would you like that? No, don't think you would. Whereas Pittsburgh was very balanced, 169 passing yards to 156 rushing yards. That's how you win football games. Mike Tomlin stays alive to still possibly finish with a winning record or at least not a losing record. Uh, Can't believe it. I thought that would come to a close on Saturday, but he keeps it alive, and now he'll play the Raiders. And what I think could easily be a tie game there, so we'll see. Dallas and Jacksonville. Jacksonville with the upset. Now, this is what I thought would be tough. I said before my podcast, or on my podcast last week, that the Cowboys were on a roller coaster season. And after a close win against the Texans, they usually follow up a close win with either a blowout or a loss. And I said, they're either going to blow this team out or we're going to lose. There's going to be no in between. And guess what? Early on in the game, it looked like the Cowboys were going to blow them out. It was 21-7. It was 27-10, a 17-point lead with five minutes left in the third quarter. And then the defense gets absolutely thrashed by the Jags. The Jags score 21 unanswered points to make it 31-27. to Cowboys come back, get a touchdown. Then three minutes left, Trevor Lawrence engineers a great drive to get them into field goal range. And we're going into overtime. And then in overtime, Dallas gets the ball. And Dak Prescott throws a pick six. So two interceptions yesterday. Uh, since he's come back from his injury, he's thrown the most interceptions in the league. Uh, he has the highest interception pass attempt ratio in the NFL, which is bad. Uh, Dak Prescott is not playing well. And I said, the Dallas Cowboys are pretenders. They're not for real. This is the same Dallas Cowboys we see every year. This defense, I'm sorry is not the defense that the 49ers are, but a lot of people appeared to make them to be. Micah Parsons is not this player that Nick Bosa is. The Dallas defense allowed 503 yards yesterday, 311 passing Trevor Lawrence, and 192 rushing. That can't happen. And it's not like the Jaguars played a perfect game. They had three turnovers themselves. Trevor Lawrence threw an interception. They didn't have a perfect game. But guess what? Jaguars found a way to win, and Dallas does what they do best. They found a way to lose. Again, they are pretenders. Micah Parsons was talking about uh, Jalen Hurts being assistant quarterback. All focus was on the Eagles, and they got slept by the Jacksonville Jaguars before the Eagles could do it themselves next week. And now that big game Eagles-Cowboys, That was going to be, I thought, a really big game for the one seed and for the division. It's now shaped up to be a meaningless game, and if the Eagles lose it, 
so well they could win one of their next final two and still be the one seed. So that game has lost a lot of luster, and I could see the Eagles just really knocking out the Cowboys there. And wouldn't it be interesting if the Cowboys somehow went to the fifth to the sixth seed? So Giants are a game and a half uh, behind them. If they were to lose this week and the Giants were to win, it'd be a half game. And then if they were to lose any one of their final two, Cowboys do play the Titans, Commanders, no gimmies there. Both those are on the road. Giants have the Colts and the Eagles. Eagles could rest their starters. Giants could get a win. And the Eagles could really screw the Cowboys if this were to happen because then they would play the 49ers in the first round, not the Bucks. And guess what? I do not want to play the 49ers in the first round. Uh, this could end up being a very, very costly loss. If somehow this happens, I'm going to hark back to this, December 18th, that Dallas loss. Kansas City-Houston. Kansas City fooled around yesterday. Uh, too much for me. They won 30-24 to in overtime. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had a great finish to the game, but overall the start of the game, defense wasn't good. And this defense hasn't been good. As I said all year, this Kansas City team defense is very suspect. This is not a top unit. This pass defense, it's mediocre. You can pass on them. Why do their run numbers look so good? Well, because they say we can pass on the Chiefs. And teams do. And they've gotten away with it against bad teams. They lose against good teams. So is this a team that I think will make a deep playoff run, make it to a championship game? No. I don't think the Chiefs are going to make it to the AFC Championship game this year. I do not. I don't think they make it to the Super Bowl. And I believe they lose one of their final three games as well to really cement them not even getting of a one seed as well. Either, I think, to the Seahawks this week or to the Raiders in the final week. Arizona-Denver. Denver beat a helpless Arizona team. Denver was helpless as well, but Denver's defense was a little better, and their offense was better as well somehow without uh, Russell Wilson. Then L.A. beat Tennessee, which was a crucial game as well for playoff L.A. Chargers are now in the playoffs with the win, the last-second field goal. Justin Herbert did not have a good game, but engineered a great final drive to get his team into field goal range to win the game. Tennessee is still spiraling there as they are now 7-7, seven and seven, four straight losses for them. And then last but not least, Cincinnati, Tampa Bay. I said Tampa Bay would, or Cincinnati would win this game. My first pick against Tampa Bay this whole season worked out. It was scary early on. Tampa Bay was up 17-3, actually up 17-0, and then 17-3 at halftime. Tampa Bay played a Great first half. They were able to run the ball. They were Tom Brady was throwing darts. Defense stopped Carlton Davis, did a good job by Jamar Chase. And then in the third quarter, it all came broke loose. Tom Brady threw interceptions, fumbled. They could not run throw the football. Gave the Bengals great field position, a fake punt that didn't work. Everything went wrong for the Bucks And that 17-0 lead, the Bengals scored 34 unanswered points. Made it 34-17, and then a garbage-time touchdown if he had made it 34-23 Bengals, far, uh, further sender, uh, sending the Tampa Bay Buccaneers into a worse spot. Tampa Bay and Tom Brady, or Tom Brady, I should say, has never lost eight games in his career. Now he's at that point. 
and he's on the verge of having his first losing season ever. It could happen. It's possible. Uh, do I think it's very likely? No, they have the Cardinals, Panthers, Falcons coming up. Uh, those are games I think you can string a three-game win streak, which would be their most in the season. They have not won three in a row at all this season. And I think that would give them a decent amount of momentum for the playoffs. They showed spurts. That first half was the first half for a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, Tom Brady fan, that I want to see. And too many dumb mistakes, penalties, turnovers killed it in the second half, facing easy competition the next three weeks. So if they can correct those things against these easy teams, then maybe they can win a playoff game or two uh, next month, and we'll see what happens. But until then... Tampa Bay is firing, and Cincinnati looks like the best team in the AFC when they are locked in like they were in the second half. Now moving on from the NFL, last thing I want to say is, again, congratulations to the Argentina uh, World Cup team, the Lionel Messi, in winning their first World Cup. Uh, Just great. It was a great, great World Cup final. Yesterday, Argentina scored early. Lionel Messi with the penalty kick. And then Angel Di Maria as well in the first half. They take a 2-0 lead at halftime. And it's looking good. They did a great job on Mbappe, uh, not letting him control the game. They pressured. And it looked great. It looked like they were cruising to win. Then in the 80th minute, Mbappe gets a penalty. He scores. And it's like, you know, you're on your feet. Then 90 seconds later, Mbappe scores another goal again. And you're like, oh, no. France has all this momentum. We just need to get the extra time. Uh, And we do. Messi scores an extra time. Mbappe gets another penalty in extra time. And we go to penalties. Argentina wins 4-2 on penalties. Argentina doesn't miss. Emiliano Martinez with a few great saves there. But to me, Argentina deserved to win this game. They were the better team. Uh, they had 20 shots, 10 on goal, half that for France, 10 shots to 5 on goal. They didn't have a shot at all registered in the first half. I mean, Argentina did really did a number on them. Uh, they were great. Julian Alvarez was great. Di Maria, of course, Messi. But Lauturo Martinez uh, wasn't super sharp in extra time, but he was aggressive. As well, Dybala, Paulo Dybala, I mean, just in for like a minute, really in to kick a penalty. They send him out second, and he scores. I mean, that is a pressure-packed moment there for him. And just, you know, it was great to see Messi win the golden ball as the best player, clearly deserving. This, you know, cements him as the go. It's, you know, he's... Picked up every trophy that he possibly could in the game of soccer. Uh, there's no debate with him or Ronaldo or him and, you know, Pele now or Maradona. It's, it's Messi, Messi, Messi. Uh, he is now on the tier of himself, much like Tom Brady is in the NFL, much like Michael Jordan is in the NBA. He is on the tier by himself. And then there are players below that. If people want to make a debate for someone else now against Messi, it's just that they're ignorant. Uh, That's all it is. They're stubborn. That's not how sports should be. 
sports is a celebration of greatness. Uh, you're happy for great players. Of course, if you're really attached to a team player, it's a bummer for you. But again, if you don't recognize greatness like this, again, you're stubborn or ignorant. But it was just a master class. And I got to give a shout out to, uh, to Scaloni, the coach manager there. Because, you know, as someone who has enjoyed watching Messi, you know, the 2014 World Cup where we lost to Germany, so close, uh, you know, really should have won that. They didn't. And then the next two Copa Americas, the back-to-back losses to Chile, just to me, destroyed Messi's confidence. You know, the brief retirement from the team sort of came back in 2018. And then the World Cup loss there didn't look good. They hired Scaloni. And he's only had two losses as a manager. It was the semifinal loss to Brazil in the Copa America 2019, which really turned it around. Uh, and then they won the Copa America last year, and then now this year with the World Cup win, the loss to Saudi Arabia in the beginning. I mean, he's just the perfect fit for this team, for Messi, surrounds Messi with the right players, the players step up, the young guns that they have. Uh, you know, Fernandez winning uh, best young player at the tournament. I mean, just a great win by Argentina. Great final. To me, greatest World Cup final I've ever seen. And it was really like one of the greatest World Cup games as well. Truly brilliant. Happy for Messi, for Argentina. Congratulations to them. The best thing I saw this past weekend out of all the referee controversies with the NFL and the blowout comeback wins. But congratulations to Messi and Argentina. This has been Unbothered. I'll talk to you all later. Bye, everybody.